0: As uh, many of you know, on Wednesday night, we hosted the gathering in here. We had uh, something like 60 or 70 uh, homeless folks here, men and women, and uh, it was really hard to see several children here as well. Uh, Late in the evening, on Wednesday, uh, I had the opportunity to talk with one of the men that was here, one of the homeless men. He... uh, He was in a deep, deep pit. This man has uh, never married. He uh, has no children. He described himself to me as someone who has no real friends. And he described the last 20 years of his life as just misery, uh, as though he really didn't see continuing on. He asked me a question that I have never Really been asked before. He asked me, How can I become someone else? How can I become a different person? And I had the opportunity to talk to him about the gospel and how we can become, how he can become a new person in Christ, a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Um, I I can't say that he was born again, but we had a good conversation. In fact, I'm going to be. meeting with him tomorrow, so I would ask for you to pray for me uh, as I meet with him for lunch tomorrow. But I share with you about his situation uh, this morning because he was paralyzed by fear, fear that his life might continue in the way that it has been. Fear is something that is common to every one of us. I want to tell you about someone else who is. Paralyzed by fear. Let's uh, let's consider. Uh, we'll call her Sue. Uh, Sue is a 30-year-old woman. She is of average looks and weight, but she is in uh, bondage uh, to beauty. She uh, is paralyzed by the fear that she may never marry, and she is obsessed with uh, the, her her figure, with her makeup, with her face. She's paralyzed in that way. Let's consider someone else, a 40-year-old man. We'll call him Frank. Uh, Frank is uh, renting an apartment. He's a believer. He's married. He has children. But when his, pill- when his head hits the pillow at night, what he thinks about are his, his peers, the other men who have uh, much larger incomes than him. And he thinks about his, his children who don't have all of the things that they have. And he's paralyzed by this, this fear of, of his paycheck not being what he thinks it should be. And by his children not having what they should have. He's paralyzed by the fear of never really making it financially. Well, in today's scripture passage, the disciples are paralyzed by fear. Uh, they are out to sea, literally, uh, on the Sea of Galilee. We have uh, many of the children in here with us tonight, uh, this morning rather, and the disciples would be in a boat that looks something like this. The passage that Jerry's read describes that they are facing strong, strong wind, so they wouldn't have had the sail up, and there probably were at least six of them rowing fiercely against the wind as the waves are coming in, and they they too are paralyzed by fear. The fear that they have is caused not so much by the storm. Several of them were fishermen and were experienced. They're paralyzed by this figure that they see walking on the water. And they are terrified. They think they are seeing a ghost. The reality is that we have a lot in common with the disciples. We have a tendency to be afraid of all sorts of things. And so today, as we open God's Word and look at this uh, passage of Scripture, uh, we are going to find lessons from the storm uh, for dealing with the fears in our lives. So before we get into God's Word uh, again more deeply, let's bow our heads and ask Him to speak to us through it this morning. Let's pray together. Father in Heaven, we give You praise. This morning, as we open uh, the Bible together, our humble prayer is make the book live to each of us, Lord. Show us yourself within your word. Reveal to each of us how we must change, especially regarding the various fears and anxieties that we might have. And show us our Savior Make the book live to us, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, if you probably already have your Bibles out, if you don't, uh, we're at John chapter 6, and it is page uh, 891 in the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and and grab one of those and and open up to 891. Kids, I hope you have your Bibles open and you're following along with me. We're going to pick it up at verse 16. It says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. So right at the outset here, I want to ask a question of this passage. We see that they they are out in the boat, they are in the storm, And it says in verse 17 that Jesus had not yet joined them. Where is Jesus? Why is he not with them? We have to back up to answer that question. We can back up to verse 15 where it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Last week's passage, we saw this, this tremendous miracle where Jesus fed uh, 5,000 men. And uh, we can extrapolate from that. If there were 5,000 men there, if, if the church in his day was anything like today, there's a lot more women often present than there were men. So if there's 5,000 men, there were at least 5,000 women. We could assume there's 5,000 boys, 5,000 girls. So we have a crowd of perhaps 20,000 or so. And Jesus has miraculously fed them. This is what has happened just before where we are now at the storm. Jesus has miraculously fed them to the fill. Uh, these are poor people who are not accustomed to, to having free refills and just eating until they're filled with all of these baskets left over. And then they are ready to take him king by force. And what does Jesus do? He goes away to a mountain by himself. He gets alone with God. And we see this throughout the Gospels where Jesus gets alone with God. This is the first of uh, many... uh, I'm going to have about six points this morning about how we deal with fear. And one of the things that is key for us is that we spend time alone with God. Uh, Matthew's uh, record of this same event, he describes it uh, this way. He says, uh, After he had dismissed them... Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. We see this throughout the gospels. Uh, many of you have, are familiar with the gospels and you see Jesus with these huge crowds around him, the disciples wanting him, people wanting to be healed by him, people wanting him to make uh, them his their king right now, wanting him to bring them food, wanting him to do these miraculous signs, and he takes the time uh, to get away. He does this not only here, but he does this uh, in many places. In Mark chapter 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We see this also in Luke chapter 4. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus often is getting alone with God, and it is something that is so important to us. Let me tell you a couple reasons why it's important for us uh, to get alone with God. One, one thing is that time alone confirms to me that I really love and value him. Uh, we, we all doubt, we all struggle with our faith from time to time, and the reality is, if the only time that we spend with God is when we are together on Sunday morning or at Bible studies or with other people, there is going to be a tendency in our own lives to doubt our relationship with Him. And so one of the reasons to get alone with Him is so that we ourselves would know that we love Him and that He's precious to us. And when we spend time with, us, when we spend time with Him alone, He meets us in still places. It's important that we are still and alone and know that he is God with no eyes on us, no ears on us, no one watching. We're just alone with him. Time alone with God also helps us to free us from the, uh, the approval or the praise of man or the fear of man. We all want to be liked. We all want uh, people to, uh, to to to. To really like us, and, and sometimes we, we end up living for those uh, those praises and those encouragements from others it's good to be encouraged, but we should not be living for that and when we spend time alone with God, uh, we are often, we often learn how to live in freedom and that we are living for him and not for others so so one of the lessons from this storm is that we need to get alone with God. A second thing I want to say about fears this morning is that some, uh, some fears are good. Some fears are a result of, of what I'm calling common grace. Uh, so, so, some fears are just just natural, and we, we respond to them. And uh, in, in this particular situation with the disciples out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, we're told by Matthew that they are into the fourth watch of the night. And so when Jesus shows up walking on the water, they would have been out paddling uh, until 3, uh, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. They have been out there just paddling and paddling. You know, some of them were probably comfortable out on the lake. Some of them were fishermen and, and, and maybe weren't frightened. I got to think there were some of them. Like myself, if I was in that boat, I would just be paddling really hard because you want to get to the other side because you're afraid. These, these waves are here. These things are pouring over, this massive wind, and we just want to get out of here. Uh, fear, uh, some fears, um, some fears are good and a result of just, of just common grace. I can remember probably the most frightful times I've had in my life or when I've been in the water. I remember years ago, we were in Southern California, uh, once again, for this a large family vacation. This was about 10 years ago. And it was a year where there was a hurricane down in Mexico. And the surf was just enormous. It was huge. And my brother-in-law and I, we were just really cocky and confident. We got our fins on and our boogie boards, and we went out in the surf, and we were just terrified just got hammered and pummeled under the water, and you're just desperate, desperate, paralyzed by fear that I'm never going to be able to breathe again, and you just want to come up. So fear is sometimes a good thing for us, but that is not primarily what I want to talk about, that kind of fear, a fear that keeps us safe, fear that, uh, fear that uh, keeps us from the edge of the, the rushing uh, river or, or waterfalls. Uh, some fears uh, are good, but some fears are uh, only going to be defeated by biblical grace, by biblical truth, by the gospel. And this is really what I want to spend some time talking about today. Let's come back to the text here. Look at verse 18. It says, A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified, or they were afraid. They are paralyzed by fear. Now we have to look at the other gospel writers to understand the fear that they have. Uh, That this fear that they have is because they think that Jesus is a ghost. In Matthew 14 it says when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And then also in Mark chapter six, Mark recording the same event, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Now you have to understand uh, the background of this situation. In the first century, it was uh, a common th- common thinking was uh, many people traveled out in the ocean or uh, on the Sea of Galilee in different places, and when the waves would come up and the storm would come up, it was believed that this was because of uh, demons or a phantom or a ghost, and this is this is uh, this spiritual force or this demon or this ghost is what controlled uh, the seas. And this is what the disciples have fallen into here. This wrong thinking about who this incredible figure that they see walking on the water is. They think it is a ghost. And it's not only an issue for them uh, on the sea, but it's an issue for them on the land. If we go near the end of Luke's gospel, the setting here is Jesus has already been resurrected. And he shows up in the room. All of the doors are closed. He shows up and they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. So many of our fears, the disciples' fears, uh, have to be defeated by understanding biblical truth and applying this truth to our lives, this is what they are terrified for. Uh, In verse 20, he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 21, then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, I want to point out one other thing in in his response here in verse 20, where he says, uh, it is I. Uh, he uh, He says a similar thing. Um, he says a similar thing here in Luke 24. It is I myself. Uh, This phrase can also be translated I am. Uh, Now, I don't think that Jesus was expecting the disciples to to understand the I am statement as they're in the boat just terrified of, of, of seeing this figure. But Jesus is wanting us to see as we read the Gospel of John and we see all of these I am statements, I am the way and the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection in the life. He's wanting us to see here, and he's wanting us to see also in Luke, where he says the same thing, I am. Remember, they have just tried to make him king, to put him in the White House, per per se, to make him king of the Roman Empire, and he is sending a message. John is, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us, that Jesus is king. He is Lord. He is Lord over the waves. He is Lord over the sea. He is Lord over whatever kind of fears that we have in our hearts and minds. And He will dispose of them as we trust Him, as we live for Him, and as we appropriate biblical truth into our lives. So some fears are defeated by biblical grace. Another lesson this morning about dealing with fear is that Uh, When believers fear, we must never forget God. We must never forget Him. We are going to have the same kind of stressors, the same kind of fears uh, that unbelievers have, but how we respond to them should be completely and totally different. We have to remember that God is sovereign over and able to deliver us from fears. If there's anyone in Scripture that could perhaps make a case that he... um, that, that he should be paralyzed with fear it would certainly be Job. I want to take you uh, to the first chapter of Job and uh, take a look at this with me on the screen. Now, it happened on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. that a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. A terrible day, message after message. You know the story. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, the great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground. And if we put ourselves in his situation, losing all of his servants, losing all of his animals, and then finally losing all of his children, Job had 10 children, and they are all gone in a moment. If we put ourselves in a situation, if we don't think about the power of God, of the faithful covenant God that Job knew, we would think that this this sentence would end. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and was paralyzed with fear, with grief, with despair. We would expect him to be in the pit. But Of course, this isn't how Job responded. He fell to the ground and he worshipped. He worshipped God. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we know that Job struggled and Job grieved, but, but Job did not grieve like an unbeliever. He responded in worship. And when we encounter fears, we must remember that God will see us through them, that he is sovereign over them, and that he is with us through them. We must never forget the Lord. This is a big part of what God wants us to see in the Gospel of John and here in this passage. I am. Don't be afraid. Another way to translate that, it, it is I, is I am. Ego me. Do not be afraid. I am with you. We must never forget God. Another lesson. Uh, in how we deal with fear. And this one I'm going to have to say in a very nuanced way. So if you're kind of dozing off, get your ears ready and listen, uh, listen to this. I want to be very clear here. Fears are not normally removed by what I'm calling walking on water miracles. And let me explain what I'm trying to say here. And let me just say straight off of the bat so I don't have any confusion out there. I believe that God did miracles in biblical times, and I also believe that he does miracles today. But when it comes to our fears and anxieties that we have, his normal operating procedure for my life and for your life and for the overwhelming majority of people that we see in Scripture is not to do some sort of walking on water miracle that that simply ends everything. Let's come back to the text for just a second. So you see, there's two miracles in this section. The first one is Jesus walking on the water. They think he's a demon. They think he's a phantom. But there's another miracle in this section. Uh, Where is it? Verse 21. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So they instantly are transported from this turbulent sea, these waves crashing, this massive wind. They just think they've seen uh, the demon of the waves. Jesus says, I am, it is I, and then they are instantly transported to the other side, and their fears are gone. This is a very nuanced thing, but what I'm trying to say today is this is not how God normally deals with our fears. It's not normally how he deals with them in Scripture and it's not normally how he deals with them in our lives. He often allows trials and suffering for his people so that we would trust him and see them through. He can and he does do miraculous things, and we need wisdom to know uh, how to pray. Uh, One commentator writes this. He says, uh, Throughout the Bible, miracles consistently serve to point people to the one true God, ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ. Their primary purpose is not to meet human need, although that is an important spinoff blessing. I think this is a very important thing for us to understand, and it is especially true in the Gospel of John. We looked at these signs last week, seven signs that, that I listed uh, from the Gospel of John, and, and uh, commentators have for years identified these, the water into wine, the healing of the official son, the the healing of the paralytic at the pool, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, that's where we are today. We could insert another one, a 5.5, the immediate transport of the boat to the edge of the water and removing them out of the storm, the healing of the man born blind uh, coming in John 9, and then this amazing miracle in John chapter 11 where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead after he's been dead for four days. Jesus is grieving. Lazarus is Mary and Martha. His friends are grieving. And that grief is relieved by this miracle of resurrection from the dead. But what I'm trying to say this, this morning is that this is not the normal way that God relieves fears in our lives. The Gospel of John tells us explicitly what all these miraculous signs are about. In part, yes, Jesus is showing compassion to those individuals. But there is a bigger picture uh, in why these are, are, are happening. John 20, 30 and 31, Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word signs is somewhat of a technical term in John's gospel, and it's referring not just to those seven, but all of the miraculous signs that he is doing. And what are these signs doing? What, why are they here? Why did he do them? They did them ultimately so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. All of these signs are pointing to what is going to happen, the death and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is ultimately what they are about, and it's relevant to us Because we need to understand that sometimes God does miraculous things and and he'll immediately remove the stressor, the the fears from our lives. But more often, he has us labor and he has us fight and he has us pray and he wants to change us in the midst of the difficult situations that we find ourselves in. So valid fears are not normally removed by these walking on water miracles. Did you you track with me? Did you get what I'm? I'm saying here. All right. Well, as we uh, finish up this morning, I want to come back uh, to these last, uh, come back to where I began as I talked about these three uh, individuals. Final uh, final thing I want to say this morning is that fears are normally removed by believing and applying the word of God. And I want to come back to where we began with these three individuals that I mentioned at the beginning of the message. The first one, this man that I met, At the gathering, in he needs to be converted. He is paralyzed by fear, and he can overcome that fear by being born again, by coming to Jesus Christ. Fears are normally removed by believing and applying the Word of God in our own lives. This is what he needs. Uh, The woman uh, that I mentioned. Uh, we called her uh, Sue, I think. I don't even know if I mentioned that. This 30-year-old woman who, um, who all that she can think about is her appearance. She's paralyzed by the fear of, of never marrying. She needs, she needs a lady to come alongside her, and, and, and she needs to hear the truths of Genesis 1 and 2, that she was created in the image of God, that every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made and is beautiful not because of our figure or our face or our makeup, but because he made us in his image. She needs to hear that. She also needs to hear uh, to to be freed from this paralyzing fear. She needs to hear that that, uh, the desire for a husband is a good desire, but it's got to move from what's driving her life to the periphery. And the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be at the center of her life. Fears are normally removed by believing, and applying, and appropriating the Word of God. And then finally, uh, this this man that I mentioned, who, when his head hits the pillow at night, he thinks about his dead end job. He thinks about how his kids don't have what other kids have. He thinks is about what uh, these these other men have. Uh, he needs to know and understand the truth of Luke twelve fifteen, that life does not consist. In the abundance of possessions. But it consists in knowing. And loving Jesus Christ. Above all earthly treasure. And as we. Grow in our understanding. Of him. And his word. And we live the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Our fears. Will not be paralyzing us as much. And we will find freedom. In him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father. I pray that as a church that we would be the kind of people who are increasingly uh, not paralyzed, not struggled, struggling with our fears because we are seeking God in the midst of them. That we are laboring in your word and understanding the truths of your word and displacing those things, the fear of man, wanting to please others, wanting to be praised by others, putting things in their place, Father, I pray this week, as, as many of us will gather in our small groups, in our shepherd groups, that we would have opportunity to share what some of our fears are. And that there, through the wisdom of the saints and the gathered uh, people in a, in a smaller setting, that we would be able to speak truth from the word of God into one another's lives. And we would recognize that Jesus is the I am and that he is Lord over whatever our situation. God, we pray that we would be able to praise and worship you as Job did, no matter what may come in our lives. We pray that we would live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Amen.